Well, we're so glad that you're here tonight. It's Christmas Eve. Where else would you be but right here? Some of you kids are saying we could be eating right now. Well, you'll get to that soon enough. And tonight is a special night because we're talking about God being with us, Emmanuel. Now, I've been doing a little research because there's all kinds of statistics that are floating around here, so I want to correct the record right now. 95% of you are spending time with family or friends tonight and tomorrow. 90% of you were off work today. 80% of you are going to eat too much these next two days. And you're going to rationalize that the diet can start in January. 70% of you are done with your shopping. The other 30% are making a promise to never wait this long again. 60% of you couldn't sleep in this morning because your mind was buzzing with your to-do list. Unfortunately, it was only the women, 97% of you. The guys were clueless on that one. 50% of you will open gifts tonight, and if you have young children, the other 50% will wish they had when your kids try to get you up at 5.30 in the morning. 40% of you still have to wrap at least one gift after this service. 30% of you haven't sent out Christmas cards, and now you are debating the merits of a New Year's card. 20% of you will read Luke chapter 2 tonight, and another 20% are going to try it because I just said it. 10% of you are wondering, where in the world did I come up with these statistics? I made them all up. <laughs> so those are the stats on Christmas, but I can tell you one thing, 100% of you need Jesus. 100% of you need the Lord Jesus Christ in this Christmas season. And whether you are a Christ follower and have been following Him for days, weeks, months, even years and decades, or you're coming tonight and you're with family and friends, and this is just part of a tradition that you do once a year, I'd invite you to listen to this message that God loves you. God has been looking for you, and God is with you tonight. Now, we need to clarify, and I know the children in the audience, you say, all this Christmas stuff, Pastor John, if we're really honest, isn't it all just about the gifts? And the kids are knowing that they're supposed to say, no, it's about Jesus. Well, this kid on the slide didn't quite get it. He said this, dear Santa, bring me what I want, or Prancer and Dancer are next. That's a tough kid. Well, I remember one of those Christmas Eves, those Christmas Eve nights. Our family opened our gifts in the evening. I was 10 years old. I had been praying for a guitar. I had been doing everything within my ability to merit such guitar. I wanted it. I wanted it bad. And so I thought I had done everything by the book so I would get that guitar. And sure enough, 
a guitar magically appeared underneath the tree, or at least I thought it was. It looked like a guitar. It was in a box like a guitar. It looked like a guitar case, but it was wrapped. So all the other gifts are opened. And finally, I get to get to that gift. And my mom was so nonchalant. Oh, Johnny, another gift underneath the tree. Surprise, surprise. And so I tore into that Indeed, it was a guitar case. I was so excited. I was going to get my first guitar. I opened the guitar, and in it was socks and underwear. (laughs) What kind of sadistic parents did I have? It was unbelievable. Now, I was well-trained. I was 10. I knew to thank my parents. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for the fruit of the loom, whitey tidies. I'm so glad to have those socks, especially the black ones. And remember, this is the 60s. They weren't cool socks. They're knee-high with three little stripes. And, but I smiled. I didn't notice my dad was nowhere in the room. And he had snuck out, and here he comes in strumming the guitar behind me after I had been grateful for underwear. So you say, what's all the fuss? It's not about the gifts, is it? It's about the ultimate gift. Tonight is not just about the gifts you'll open. It's about what the real meaning of Christmas is. Our theme this year is Emmanuel, God with us. It's quite a concept. God is with us. He's even with us when we don't recognize Him or realize that He is God. Some of you know this famous guy whose picture's on the screen. His name is John Lennon. In the same year that I was asking for a a guitar, by the way, I would ask for a car later on. That would be about 10 years later, or six. He said this, Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue with that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. He then spent the next five months denying the quote, saying he was misquoted and saying the Beatles were just bigger than Jesus. But later he ended up apologizing to the Vatican, saying he wasn't anti-God or anti-Christ or anti-religion. But he then said this, I'm not saying that we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or a God or a thing or whatever it is. I just said what I said. And then he almost whispered, but I was wrong. You see, God is with us since the dawn of time. Think about this. Since the dawn of time, great men have dreamed of glory. We have people who want to be gods. They see their empires crumble, their dreams wither. And whether we believe it or not, throughout history, there are men who would choose to be God. The pharaohs in Egypt, the Maharishi. Caesar Augustus, Alexander the Great, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, you just naming a few, but there was only one time in history that God became a man. Jesus is that man. He's the Emmanuel that I speak of tonight. And I want to give you the context. We see this in one little verse in the New Testament. From Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name 
Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. If you study the Scriptures, you know that that wasn't a unique verse just to the New Testament, but the writer is quoting from an ancient prophecy from the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. It says this, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call His name Emmanuel. So this idea of God being with us is a wonderful idea, and in, in fact, the Bible talks about it a lot. In fact, Jesus told His disciples on earth that where two or three were gathered together, that He would be Emmanuel. He would be with them. He would be present. Before His ascension, He assured them that they would be with Him until the end of the age in Matthew chapter 28. He spoke of the promise of the Holy Spirit who will dwell with you and be with you in John chapter 14. The God with us, this indwelling, we've talked about it as I studied the book of Colossians in verses, chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then someday, if you are a Christ follower, in Revelation, it says in tw chapter 21, verse 3, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and be in them. And so, if God is with us, then everything about this Christmas season begins and ends with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure where all of you are thinking tonight. I realize that many of you come tonight as guests, and so you are an honored guest tonight. But it's not just about the food or the family or the fun or the football or Detroit losing or Dallas winning or anything else that happens on, on that special day tomorrow. You see, Christmas, apart from Emmanuel, is really an empty experience. Christmas without Jesus rings hollow. Think about this. Ultimately, if Jesus isn't with us, then this is what we get. We get Santa without a Savior. We get gifts without God. We get presence without His presence. We get sentimentality without substance, commercialism without Christ, family gatherings, not faith gatherings, and lights on our houses, but not houses of light. So why did God send His Son to earth? He could have done it so many different other ways, but He picked a couple of teenagers, Joseph and Mary, to reveal His story. What must it have been like for Joseph? What must it be like for that young woman, Mary? They were engaged, betrothed, the Scripture says, to be married, and she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit. If anyone, anyone ever needed God to be with them, it's at that point in their lives. Think about it. We read it. But think about it from their perspective. Could this have gone through their minds? Joseph, my fiance, Mary, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He's a godly man, and he's thinking, seriously? Seriously? I'm not the biological father, but everyone's going to assume that I am. Now what? Is this child really the Messiah, Lord? Oh, it, this has got to just be a bad dream. Really? An angel? 
Lord, was that really you speaking to me? Has Mary really been faithful to me, Lord? Should I still marry her? Lord, are you really in charge of all of this? If Facebook had been around, maybe this is what actually happened.
His name will be Jesus. That's the Emmanuel that we speak of tonight. For a lot of us, it's a special time, isn't it? Your family's here. You're going to snuggle up with your little ones if you're a parent of a young child. But I found through the years, there's a lot of people that Christmas isn't that idyllic setting. The kids aren't watching their favorite Christmas movies. They aren't eating popcorn. They live and act as if they should be enjoying Christmas, but somehow there's an emptiness. You see, I think we have Christmas backwards. The story of Emmanuel is that he is the great rescuer. Some of you know this, this musician. His name's Matt Redman, and he, he writes these words. See, Jesus was born as a baby to know the pain and sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus was made to be like us so that in his resurrection we can be made like him. Jesus' first recorded worshipers were not of the beautiful class. They were poor, ugly shepherds, beat down by life and labor. They'd been locked down and looked down on for many a year. You see, Jesus came to look for those people who see themselves in the mirror as ugly. Jesus came for the daughters who fathers never told them that they were beautiful. He continues to write, Christmas is for those who go to a diner alone and order soup. Christmas is for those whose lives have been wrecked by cancer. And the thought of another Christmas seems like an impossible dream. Christmas is for those who would be nothing but lonely if they didn't have an iPhone and friends on Facebook. Christmas is for those whose marriages have careened against the retaining wall and are threatening to flip over the edge. Christmas is for the son whose father keeps him keeps giving him hunting gear when all he really want, wanted was art materials. Christmas is for smokers who can't quit even in the face of a death sentence. And then he wraps up, Christmas is for college students who are sitting in the midst of the family and already cannot wait to get out the door to get another drink. Christmas is for those who traffic in failed dreams. Christmas is for those who have squandered the family name and fortune. They want a home but can't imagine a gracious reception. Christmas is for parents watching their children's marriage fall apart. You see, really, the ultimate message of Emmanuel, that God is with you because the gospel is about grace for sinners. Because of all that Christ has done on the cross, the manger becomes actually the most hopeful place in a universe darkened with hopelessness. And in the irony of all ironies, Christmas is for those who will find it the hardest to enjoy. Christmas is for all of us. And so I want to ask you a very simple question. 
Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Emmanuel? We're going to feast. We're going to open gifts. We'll laugh. We'll spend time with family and friends. But ultimately tonight, as you sit here in this room, is Jesus Christ a part of your life? So how can you have God with you? I want you to take this card out and get ready to fill it out. I'd like every single person in the room to fill it out. You say, I don't fill out cards. Oh, just humor me. Just fill it out. You give me an alias name, whatever you want to do, but fill it out. And while I'm talking, I'd like you to respond to this message by the time I'm done. And then I'm going to ask you to check one of five boxes, six boxes. But it goes like this. If you want Jesus Christ to be a part of your life, then it's a very simple thing. It's called the gospel. And if you don't have a card, raise your hand and the ushers will make their way through. There's pens uh, in front of you. You can fill this out. But it's very simple. I want to just make four simple points. Number one, God loves you so much that He wants to have a personal relationship with you. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants you. Number two, you say, I love God. I'm glad that God loves me. There's a slight problem. You see, sin came into the world. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned. And Romans 6.23 says there's a consequence for that sin. And ultimately, we have to come to grips with the fact that because we're separated from God by our sin, that God had to come up with a solution. And that solution is Jesus Christ. It's who we've been singing about. It's whose birth we're celebrating tonight. And point number three is that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as His provision for our sin. And you know the story. We celebrated Easter. He died on a cross to purchase us a place in heaven. His substitutionary death on the cross paid for the penalty of our sin. That's what the incarnation is, God becoming man and he di Him dying on the cross ultimately to cover the penalty of our sins. You see, Jesus was born to die, and that's a, a message that the church has preached, the church fathers have preached, the Bible has preached, and churches through for 2,000 years recognize that need. Now, you say, I get all that stuff, John. You know, I know I don't come to church much, but I believe there's a God. I believe, yeah, I guess I'm a sinner, if you want to call it that. And yeah, I, I get this Jesus guy, but there's a big difference between knowing what I'm talking about and staking your life on it. And ultimately, it comes down to this. The book of James says, you believe there's a God, you do well. Even the devils believe there's a God. So just knowing what I'm talking about tonight isn't enough. The essence of the gospel, the good news, why church-going people come to churches all over our country, are here tonight celebrating the birth of Jesus, is this, that they've come to the conclusion that a life worth living is this. Number four, trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. That's it. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says it's a gift. It's a grace gift. 
It's based on what He did, not what we'll do. It's not about pleasing Him. It's about His death on the cross. It's ultimately saying, God, I give my life to you. It's ultimately saying, you're the boss. Take control of my life. If you're a longtime attender at ABF and you were here yesterday, you saw examples of that, of a guy whose life was changed after two years of seeking and asking questions. And we know this, that if he is in your life, then that statement, God with us, is true. And so I'm going to ask the choir to come, even right now as I'm wrapping up, and Chad's going to come. And as they come, we're going to sing in just a moment. But before they sing, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to God. Now, talking to God is simple. It's praying. That's what we call it. And those of you who know the Lord, you, you pray. But some of you tonight, I'm going to offer this prayer, this prayer of salvation that I prayed on January 8th, 1963. It will be 50 years ago in January that I prayed this prayer. As a young man in first grade, I realized I needed a Savior. Some of you have your stories of when you prayed to give your life to Christ, and maybe it was a 16-year-old. Maybe you were an adult. But if you're sitting here tonight saying, I'm not sure I've ever prayed that prayer. I'm not sure I quite understand it. I'm not sure if I believe it. It's okay. And tonight, I'm going to pray. And when I'm done, I'm going to ask you to check one of these six boxes. Because either you're going to pray to receive Christ tonight, and nobody has a gun to your head. Nobody's going to force you. No one's going to make you come forward. No one's going to make you kneel down here. It's a simple, quiet decision, a volitional choice that says, not in emotion, I surrender. Or you're going to check the second box, and you're going to say, I've already given my life to Christ. And I would say a lot of you in this room will check that box. But there's a third group. Some of you tonight realize as you hear these songs, it's been a year since you've darkened the door of a church. Maybe it's been two years. And you're sitting here tonight thinking, man, it felt good. And then deep down in your soul, you're saying, why don't I go to church anymore? What's happened to me? Why does God seem so distant? And if you're in that category tonight, maybe it's time to come home. Maybe you've been that prodigal son or daughter, and it's time to come home and to make things right with Him. Maybe you're number four. I hope several of you check this box. You say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not even sure about this stuff. But I'm asking that God would reveal himself to me. You go, like in a vision? No, I'm saying that you would come across other Christians. And if you want, one of those Christians could be me or someone that you brought you. And you're going to check that box because you say, I don't understand this. Help me. Or maybe the most honest answer for some of you is, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about it. I'm not blowing you off, Pastor John, but I, 
I've got to think about this. This is, this is too big of a decision. Some of you know that I had a high school student, two of them living with me last year. They were from China, Alan and, and Charles. Alan was a senior. He's now at New, NYU in New York. Alan was the greatest kid. Grew up in an atheist family, and he, um, he was so polite, so helpful, always helping Mrs. Irwin with the dishes, you know? My wife loved him, you know? And one night, we were sitting, and it was probably 11 o'clock at night, and he had been studying for hours. I said, Alan, algebra, I mean, it wasn't algebra. It was like, you know, calculus for the universe, I think. I don't know. It was something above my pay grade. He said, come on down. I want to talk to you. I said, Alan, you, you act like a Christian. But I know that there's something going on inside of you. What is it? And he got very quiet. And he almost was whispering. He said, Mr. Irwin, I respect you very much. And I enjoy sitting in church and trying to fill in all of your blanks. If you don't know what that's about, I have a little outline and people fill in the blanks. And he'd sit in the front row at our little church. He said, but as I read the Gospels, his words, I realize that to be a Christian, I have to be committed. And then he said something that was so instructive. He said, by American standards, you would consider me a Christian. And then he said the words that really pierced my heart. He said, but I understand there is so much more to being a Christ follower. He said, I'm not ready to give up yet. I have too much of life to live. But I'll never forget what you've told me. That was in March. In June, we stood in a parking lot. And I wish I could have a story that he prayed right there before he got on the plane to go back to China. But he didn't. But he hugged me like he would never let me go. And I said, Alan, when you come to that decision, I wish I could be there. Because God's never going to let you go. And he smiled. He said, I know. And for those of you that are like Alan, you'll chuck that fifth box. Because I would much rather have you think about what you're doing than emotionally checking off a box. That's what this is. This is not about that. And then lastly, some of you are saying, this is way uncomfortable for me. But I'd, I might talk to you if no one knew about it. We can meet somewhere. Because you're saying, I am not a church kind of guy or gal. But I would like to talk. Like I tell you what, I got nothing but time to talk to people 
who want to know more about Jesus. So this isn't the Billy Graham crusade where people are going to storm this. It's going to be a quiet, private time. So would you take this card out? And I want you to think about what category you're in. Everybody in the room, everybody in the room do it. And I'm going to pray right now for those of you who would like to pray to receive Christ. Would everybody bow your heads and close your eyes out of reverence to the Holy God? And if you'd like to be a Christ follower, pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I know that I need you. I know that I am far from you. I don't like the idea, but I, I guess it's a, I'm a sinner according to the Bible, and I know that I need you. And so I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Would you please come into my life and make me the man or woman that you've designed me to be? Thank you for forgiveness for my past and for my future. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for coming into my life. And now I surrender to you. Would you be Emmanuel to me? Will you be with me? Help me to figure what all this means. And help me become the Christ follower I desire. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then check that box. But there's one other group of people I want to pray for tonight. It's those of you who feel an ache in your heart because it's been a long time since you felt anything about God. Though the scripture is rooted in logic about why I believe Jesus is Lord, I do know this. There are people that they get an emotional, they just, there's a disconnect. Somebody treated them wrong. A Christian was a jerk to them. There was a bad, failed relationship. There was something that drove them away from church and then God's people then ultimately there's been this estrangement between you and God. And yet for some of you, you remember the days when you came to this church as a five-year-old, as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old, and now you're a teenager, you're a college student, you're an adult. And this is all mildly coming back to you now, saying, what happened? I want to pray that you would come to a place where it would be okay to have that conversation with God again and that you come home. So can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I pray for those who have lived that life once having walked with you and now are so far from you. May you bring someone into their life that would be Jesus, that would remind them of the things that were wholesome and good and pure and true and the woundedness of whatever's happened that they could let go of. And maybe you're that person tonight and 
if you are, I'd like to pray for you. No one's looking around. It's just you and me. Would you look up at me to say, I'm that person? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Way in the back. Lord, we ask that today you would meet our people right where they're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
is here with us. Jesus is the light of the world. And in a tradition that we've been doing for a number of years at, a at ABF, we're going to, to light some candles as we sing this song. Ultimately, God is with us through the good times and the bad times. And ultimately, He's the light of the world. If you, if you didn't get one, the ushers are making their way through the aisle. We'd like every person to have a candle. You can pass those down to the people on either end. Raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. And in a moment, I'm going to light this candle and this candle. And then you'll light each other's candles. And we're going to turn the lights down and they'll go all the way, all the way to the back of the room. Jesus, Emmanuel, came to give us light in this world.
more time. Would you stand up to your feet? It says in the book of Matthew that our light shouldn't be hidden. And so in a symbolic gesture, lift your candles high. And in 2013, we who call on Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we commit to being lights in the world. Thank you. And now, so as not to cause a forest fire. Let us blow out our candles as the lights come back on. I want to give you some final instructions as we sing joy to the world. This card that you filled out, there's an offering plate in the back. Guess what? It is the only thing you have to put in the plate tonight. We didn't come to take an offering, but we would like to get your feedback. Secondly, we have a gift for you. It's How to Find God. It's a great book for those who are far from God, who have questions. The whole front half of the Bible answers some of those questions. Please take one. Take one to give to someone who needs to read it. If you prayed that prayer tonight, for sure take one. And if you have a friend who needs it, empty them out. Take them with you as you go tonight. And then we do have some baskets. We'd like you to actually place those in the basket, provided you have blown out your candle. Amen. Let's sing Joy the World as we leave tonight.
have a wonderful and blessed Christmas and a wonderful week. We will see you next Sunday. God bless you. Say Merry Christmas to at least 50 people on your way out. Merry Christmas, everybody. Two.